in Acts chapter 28. You thought I was going to finish today, didn't you? We're going to split 28 into two. Uh, being an example. God calls us to be light. And he calls us to shine the light inside? Outside. Oh. He calls us to be examples. Now, we're to be examples here, right? We, we should all be examples of what God wants within uh, the church. But primarily, God says, I want you to be examples out there. They're the ones who need it. The light shines in the darkness. Isn't that what Jesus said? I am the light of the world. I came and the world was dark and my light shined and we are all reflectors. We are examples of Jesus' love in this world. And so as we come to Acts chapter 28, verses 1 to 10, I want to look at the examples that are shown forth in these 10 verses. So let's read together Acts chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. And it would help if I turned my clicker on. There we go. We got it. All right. I'm not going to get... There we go. <laughs> and when they had been brought safely through, when we found out that the island was called Malta, the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. 276. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself to its hand, his hand. And when the natives saw that the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were, land, were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in a bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he prayed... He laid hands on him and healed him. And after this had happened, the rest of the people of the island who had diseases were coming to him and were getting cured. And they also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were there, when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all our need. And verse 11 tells us that they were on that island for three months. Well, where is this? Remember, they had left the small place called Fairhavens. 
And Paul said, don't go. They said, it was not the kind of place we want to hang out all winter. Let's, let's sail over to Phoenix. And they left and got driven for two weeks across the Mediterranean. Now, over here, oh boy, that's really bright. I didn't realize that. It wasn't that bright on my computer. Okay, here's the island that they left from. They got blown straight across. They were headed for, this is northern Africa. And there were, there were sandbars out in this area that they were really concerned about. And they crashed in Malta, little bitty island here, off the end of Italy. And I want to show you, uh, so this is Malta. And it, you can go there today, and you can visit St. Paul's Bay, right up here. They have a figure of, uh, of Paul standing out there. St. Paul's Bay is where they believe that Paul was driven ashore. He was shipwrecked there. And it, actually, it's quite a resort today. You can go there uh, and, and you can bask in the sun of the Mediterranean on the shores of St. Paul Bay in Malta. But I want you to think about the example that not just Paul, but we're going to see some other people after the shipwreck. They had been driven for two weeks. Remember the last time, we, two weeks ago, they, they tried, they, think they were headed for the beach, and they got stuck on the reef, and the boat began to break up. And Paul said, don't worry, everybody's going to be saved. Those who can swim, swim, and those who can't, grab a board and surf your way in, hang ten. They all made it in safely. And I want you to notice what, what Luke writes in this, as he starts this part of it. And when they had been brought safely through. What an example of thankfulness. I want you to think about what they've been through. The, the sailors on here we're coming from Alexandria, Egypt with a load of wheat. Where's the wheat? It's in the bottom of the sea. They had to get rid of it just to save their ship. There was a captain on that ship who probably he either owned it or he had a partnership in it. He's lost his boat. And I'm sure that the Roman soldiers who were guarding the prisoners weren't really thrilled that the fact, because, you know, think about this. Can you swim in armor? Yeah. Nope. I mean, they've, they've had to throw their swords aside, their, their armor that they wore aside. They get to the beach. They have nothing. But what does Luke say? Luke's on board with them, remember? This is a wee chapter. Him and Aristarchus accompanied Paul on board. They had 
nothing. But what does he say? But when they had been brought safely through. What an example of thankfulness. Well, they could have said, oh man, everything's gone. I've got to go, I've got to go file an insurance claim to see if I can get my money back for, for my, my ship that's gone now. I, I'm, no. They were brought safely through all 276. Can you imagine what it was like? That everybody's coming kind of straggling in, coughing up seawater, and, and somebody's walking around going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Will you quit moving? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? 276, and you have, you have all of the, now native, when it says natives, it's mean people native to the island. They weren't a bunch of people running around with spears and, and you know, saying, you know, no. They were natives of the island. They came down and they began to build fires. Now, this is not just one fire. You can't get 276, well, I guess you could, but it would be a really big fire. So they probably built warming fires all down the beach, and they're gathering people together. They're going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 276. That's impossible. No, that's God. Paul had told them, God's given me all of you. Wow, I want to hang around with Paul. God gave him every last one. And they were thankful. God brought us through safely. They weren't concentrating on their loss. They were concentrating on the fact that I'm here and I'm alive. Because by all purposes, they should not have been. They should have sunk out in the middle of the great storm and have all of them make it in. We need to be example of thankfulness, especially in the hard times. Because the world's watching you, aren't they? Oh, there's one of those Christian guys. Let's see how he reacts. Let's see how they do when cancer comes. Let's see how they do when finance falters, when their business falls through when they get fired how are they going to do well we do it with thankfulness Philippians 4 4 through 7 most of us know this don't they don't we we can we can repeat us rejoice in the Lord how often always good times bad times big things and little things again I say rejoice let your general spirit be known to all men. Not just your brothers and sisters in Christ. The world's looking at you saying, how are they going to react? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Amen? <laughs> yes, he is. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Amen? You see, we need to be thankful because people are watching. We need to, people need to look and say, that guy's weird. You know, he can be going through this or she can be going through this and yet they're still praising God. Well, that's what we do. Because God knows everything you're going through. He collects your tears in his bottle. He has been through what you've been through. Do you realize that Jesus lost his father, his earthly father? Joseph is never mentioned after he's 12 years old. He knows the grief of losing a loved one. He knows the grief of being ostracized by his family. He knows the grief of being put out of the temple, of being hated by the very people that he came and will die for. Jesus knows what we've been through, what we're going through, and we can be thankful when we come out on the other side, when he brings us through. Well, the second thing, example I want you to see is Paul. What does Paul do when he gets to shore? Now, if I was Paul, I would be, hey, I'm the one that told you. I'm the one that told you everybody's coming back safely. Just a second, let me, let me pat myself on the back, right? Isn't that the way we are sometimes? But what is Paul doing? He's picking up sticks. Pastor Donnie, who at a church I used to be at, he used to say this, and I absolutely love this statement. Nobody's big. Nobody's little. We're all medium. <laughs> Don't you like that? We're all medium. You see, there's, there's, we all need to be realizing that it doesn't matter how much you gave to the church last year. If there's something that needs to be getting done, God says, hey, here's a mop. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have somebody do that to you? How can I help? Here's a mop. <laughs> well, I was thinking more of, yeah, yeah, right? Sometimes we just need to do what needs to be done. And it doesn't matter what title you hold. I tell you what, I, you know what? It, people that come out to my house and you're liable to catch me, uh, catch me around town sometime in my overalls. I am more comfortable in my overalls than I am in a suit. But it's, it's, it's a joy to come and work. Just if something needs to be done, we do it. Nobody's big, nobody's little. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote in Romans, oh, goodness sakes. <laughs> what happened? I hit the wrong button. <laughs> we'll get there. Ta-da! Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, be of the same mind towards who? One another. Do not be haughty or do not think highly of yourself. 
haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You see, God calls us to hang out with everybody. You know, it doesn't matter what they look like, smell like, talk like. As Christians, we need to be part of each other. And, and we got baby Christians, right? We were talking about this the other day. Somebody came in and says, we got a lot of baby Christians around here. So, some people are getting saved. And so we need people that, to hang out with them and just say, hey, let me help you. Let me, do you understand we do a thing here called 52 letters. So when somebody gets baptized, they get a letter a week for, for a year. And a lot of it, they're like going, wow, that's, I don't understand it. They need somebody to just hang out with them and say, hey, let's, let's talk about what the letter you got. It's a little thing called discipleship, right? What did God tell us to do? Go into all the world and make disciples, right? And it doesn't really matter whether they do what we do or, or we have that, but we need to be part of their lives because they're baby Christians. And then we have some people that have been Christians for 30, 40 years, maybe 50 years. And they need to be the ones that say, hey, let me share with you. You know, Christian life is not like this, is it? It's oh. It's all over the place, and they need somebody to walk beside them because the first time they get one of these, and they've been watching Joel Olstein, and they go like, oh, have I, am I unsaved? Have I lost my salvation because I'm not in God's blessing? Oh, no, brother. Let's go to the book of James, right? And Jesus gave this, this example of hanging out and doing things that aren't expected in John chapter 13, okay, be careful what you ask for. There it is. There it is. John chapter 13, the Last Supper. And, and we'll just listen to these verses. And when they had, and so when he had washed their feet, and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. Yet if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed to do them. Jesus gave the great example. We don't run around, oh, you go do this and you go do that. And we should be saying, what can I do for you? You know, I, I talk about, you know, sometimes when we come to church, we come, I, I say, what is your expectation of coming to church? And most people will tell me, oh, well, I, I'm coming to be blessed by the sermon. Of course you say that because I'm the preacher. <laughs> or I'm coming 
because I want to hear the worship team. Or I'm coming because I want to see all my good friends, those six people that sit right around the same place that I sit every Sunday. But you know what God says? When you walk, when you, well, when you leave your home, this is something you start before you ever get here. Before you leave your home, you should be praying, okay, God, who do you have for me to minister to today? Who do you, who do you want me to bless? You know what it does for you? That changes your perspective. That changes your, your eyesight, right? Because you come in looking to say, who am I going to bless this morning? Who needs me to sit by them because they're going through a time? Who needs me to pray with them because they've had a rough week? That changes things a little bit, doesn't it? And I guarantee you that if you come with a different expectation, the expectation to serve somebody in the church, you know what it's going to do? It's going to open you up to say, wow, not only did I come to church and I got a good message, let's hope so, right? And the worship team blessed my heart. But I also got to invest myself in another brother or sister in Christ. Well, there's another example I want you to see. And it's be an example of faith. Be an example of faith. Now, Paul, Paul, this guy, you know, he, he, he's got all this going on and he's just, he's collecting sticks and all of a sudden, you know, I want you to, to, to think about this. You know, here it's dark. There's no floodlights going out. They're only, they're starting these fires on the beach. It's raining. It's nighttime. It's terrible out. And Paul just goes and he grabs a big bunch of, uh, of driftwood off the beach. And this snake says, you ever do that? You ever just accidentally get up on a snake? Oh, man. And Genesis said there's enmity between the snake, right? I'm not a big fan of snakes. I, I, I remember one day I, went, I was sitting on the banks of the... Uh, Deschutes River and I went and put my hand down and there was a bull snake he was he was every no seriously he was that I mean he was he would have been good eating if I would have went around so fast and I put my hand down and I went ah! just get, you know Paul wasn't looking the snake was was he was in hibernation, man. He's just hanging out in the, you know, and this guy comes and grabs him and getting ready to throw him in the fire. I'd be latching onto something too. And he grabs his hand. But what does Paul do? Shake it off. You ever heard that term? Shake it off. I used to, I, I used to hate my football coach. You know, you'd, take, you'd get hit, get a helmet strike in the thigh, you know, and you get this big old poof. You know, muscles, and the, the, the coach said, oh, walk it off. You know, shake it up. But Paul did that. He just shook it off and he's, you know, he's warming himself by the fire. Now I would have probably went, God, what are you doing? I just came through a shipwreck and now I get snake bit. What is going on? But not Paul. 
You know why? He had faith. Why did he have faith? God had told him, what? You're going to Rome. You're going to preach to Caesar. And he had, he looked and he did what? He looked back. Remember that when in, in uh, Corinthians when he says, yeah, this is, this is, my, this is my life. I've been shipwrecked. Well, this is the fourth time now he's been shipwrecked. You know, when he wrote that, he'd only been shipwrecked three times. I've been, I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. I've been run out, run over. His faith says, but God continues to use me. So I'm not, I am, I am invincible until God says he's done. You know, some people say, say to me, they're older, and they say, ah, oh, I, I don't know why God still has me on this earth. Because you've got a job to do. And every morning when you wake up, you need to ask, God, what do you want me to do today? And that's probably going to have a lot to do with prayer. Because when your body don't work anymore, you got a lot of time to pray. And God says, I want you to pray. You have a job to uphold somebody. But be an example of faith. In James chapter 1, he tells us you're going to go through bad times. You're going to get snake bit. In James chapter 1, it says, Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. What? Consider it all joy when you, you, uh, you encounter various trials? Shipwrecks, snake bites, it's going to happen. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let the endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul's faith allowed him just to go, hmm. Now look at the reaction of the world, though. What was their first idea? Oh, he's a murderer. Karma, that's what we would call it today, right? Karma caught up with them. Hogwash. They, when, they, when they talked about justice, justice, they had a god of justice that they worshipped on the Isle of Malta called DK. Kind of sounds like a disc jockey, right? But DK, female, she was, she was kind of like our lady justice, right? We have Lady Justice, you see it at every courthouse, blindfolded with holding the scales, right? They had a Lady Justice named DK. She was a Greek god. And so when they say justice is going to get them, they're thinking to their godless society. We have a pretty godless society today, don't we? And their first reaction was, huh, karma. It caught up with you. And when it didn't kill him, they're waiting, what does it say? They're waiting for him to swell up and fall down. You know, because they knew what that viper would do. They, and, and you know, this is an interesting fact. If you go to Malta today, there are no poisonous snakes. Now, I don't know whether Paul had anything to do with it, but you never know. But, at the time, they knew it was a viper. It was a 
poisonous snake. They're waiting for him to swell up and fall down. And when he didn't, what did they say? He's a god. Right? Paul's been through that before with Barnabas, right? Oh, he's Zeus and he's Hermes. Let's go get him a gift. Let's, let's bow down and worship them. Paul doesn't, have, Paul doesn't react to either end of that. He doesn't say, ah, you know, because he knows they're going to be there for a while. They don't have a ship, and it's the middle of winter, and nobody's sailing. So he just says, hey, guys, listen. I'll share a bit of my testimony later on, but you need, just need to know I have faith in God because God's already told me I'm going to Rome to preach. So, so if a shipwreck couldn't kill me, a little bitty snake bite is not going to kill me. And then we have this beautiful, and what I want you to see in this next part is not only Paul's response, but the people there. Publius, the governor of the island. What does he do? He, I mean, if you're governor, you probably got the biggest house in town. He invites 276, come on home for three days. All of them were taken care of by Publius for three days. He invites them into their home and they begin sorting out where, who's going to go where. Not everybody could stay there for the next three months. So, so for three days, Publius begins to pour out his hospitality. You know, one of the things that the church is supposed to be known for is what? Hospitality. Taking care of people. And he was generous. Be generous with grace. Grace is what? Getting what you don't deserve. These people didn't have anything. They didn't deserve what Publius gave them. They were put up by people all over the island to be able to take care of 276 people for three months. And how much did they have in their pocket when they jumped off ship? <laughs> yeah. And people just said, come on, we'll take care of you. Yeah, it reminds me of little Michael. Michael just needs a family that will love on him and take care of his needs. And you say, that's a big ask. Yes, it is. But God's a big God, isn't he? There's a little boy that when we were there two times ago, little Telmo. Telmo was, I wish Don was here because Don fell in love with Telmo. <laughs> Telmo was, he's a little kid, he's in this walker and, and, and he's nonverbal. But what, <laughs> you would roll the ball to him and he would kick it to every place that you weren't. And Don for hours played kickball with Telmo. And Telmo is his, uh, his family here from the United States, they adopted him took him home, and Telmo is thriving. The doctors here found that he had some scar tissue that was attached from his abdomen to his back. And Telmo had never stood taller than this. He always had his little... And now Telmo stands straight without his walker. Their, their family motto is, everything's better with Telmo. <laughs> Amen? 
We need to be generous with our grace. Paul was generous with his healings. He, he went in and, and found Publius's dad. And he had dysentery. And I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who has dysentery. But just think about the nastiest situation you can. And what did he do? He healed him. He prayed for him. But what else? What does it say? I want you, I want you to catch this. In verse 8. And he prayed. And he laid his hands on him and healed him. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much worse than dysentery. And Paul said, I'm going to lay my hands on him. I'm going to heal him. Sometimes we need to get our hands a little dirty. We need to, we need to be able to say, you know what? You're going through something terrible, but I'm right here with you. Back in the early 80s, I came home, I, I was actually living in Portland, but my mom and dad still lived in Waterloo where mom still does. And They called me up one day and they said, we need you to come down. Uh, a, man, uh, a man that my sister had dated in high school, Danny, and I remember I used to laugh, my sister, if you, you, some of you have met her, she's 5'11", Danny was maybe 5'6". And I remember when they, were, when they were dating, one time for a joke, we, we put the stepladder out on the front porch with the light off and waited for him to get to the front porch and flip the light on, and Danny laughed so hard. Well, it turns out that Danny decided that he was a homosexual, and he went to San Francisco and took a male lover, and his male lover contracted AIDS and died, and Danny contracted AIDS. And he came home to his parents' house in Lebanon, conservative Lebanon. They, their, their family called the church pastor. They brought him home. They brought Danny home on hospice. He was in, never got out of a hospital bed after they got home. And the pastor came over and wouldn't even shake his hand. said he got what he deserved and walked out. They said, I need you, we need you to come see Danny. And I walked into that house. I hugged Mama and Daddy, and, and I said, hey, what can I do? Where's Danny? And I walked in, and I gave him a big hug. He said, are you sure? He said, Danny, I'm not going to sleep with you. You're not going to give me AIDS. I just want you to know I love you. And God loves you. And I had a chance to share with that family. Sometimes we need to get our hands dirty. We need to get in the trenches. When somebody's in the mud, in, in the middle of, uh, of their, their brokenness, we need to just sit down in the middle of the mud with them and love on them and say, it's okay. We're going to make it through. Paul was generous with his grace. We need to be generous with our grace. Once again, Romans 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to 
one another in honor, not lagging behind and diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, perseverance in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing, oh, there's that word, hospitality. That's with the brothers and sisters, absolutely. Man, we need to be taking care of each other, that devoted to prayer. I am so thankful for the prayer warriors in this church. I wouldn't have made it through this last week without them because we were doing battle. We needed to do battle. And they came around. I was, there, we had people in four different hospitals this last week. Every one of them needed prayer. Every one, of them need, every one of them needed somebody to reach out and hold their hand to make a telephone call. And we were able to do that. Devoted in prayer. We can't, and we, that's our job within the body of Christ. But I want you to remember something else. Hebrews 3, 13, 2 says, do not neglect showing hospitality to the world. The ones out there. You don't have to know them. You don't, have to, you don't have to say, oh, well, I, I need to establish a relationship to, with you so that I know that you're reliable and that you're going to do, if I ask you to, to clean your act up, that you're going to do that, and then I'll give you some charity. God says, show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Well... Our example has an impact on those around us. Look what happened when they got ready to leave. They've been there for three months. They honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. They came in with nothing and they left with what? All they needed. Why? Because on that island for those three months, they were an example of Jesus Christ. I want to close with an Old Testament piece. This is one, this is a passage that, have, that has come to me a number of times in the last couple of weeks. And it is so fitting to this. Verse 6, Isaiah 58, 6. Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry, Bring the homeless poor into the house when you, were, when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, ooh, then, catch that? Then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. Your righteousness will go forth before you. The, your the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. When you call, the Lord will 
answer you. When you cry, he will say, here am I. If you remove the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and the speaking of witnesses, if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, when your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become midday, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in the scorched places and give you strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient rules, ruins. You will rise up the age-old foundation. You'll be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which you dwell. Amen. When we begin to be that example out there, God will bless us in here. But we got to start out there. Amen. We need to be that example. Well, we're coming to our time of communion. There it is. Isn't that like Jesus? Jesus was always out there. He says, we're... we're Where's, where's dinner at today? Oh, well, the only place we could find dinner is with the Pharisee or with the uh, tax collectors and the sinners. I'm there. Oh, there's a prostitute that's washing your feet with her tears. Why are you hanging out with her? Because she needs me more than you need me. Amen. Sometimes Jesus would just, when a woman was come that was caught in the midst of adultery, probably just had a blanket wrapped around her. He said, who condemns you? They're all gone. He said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus was not afraid to get his hands dirty with the people of the world. Matter of fact, when he went to die, I am so thankful that he saw fit to die for a sinner like me. I didn't deserve it. It's all grace. And when we come to this time of communion, I want us to remember what Jesus did. He he got down and he washed their feet. And you know whose feet he washed? Judas. Judas. Some of us, we've got, we, we, we've got hard feelings about somebody because of something that they've done. And it's hindering our spirit in what we're able to do. And Jesus said, yeah, do my what I did. Wash their feet. Break the bread with them. God's asked us sometimes to do hard things.